This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Dive Bomb Squadcast. I'm still your host, Cade Tricky. Um, and today I'm going to have a guest on, somebody who should be pretty interesting to talk to. Um, I've known him for a couple of years now. We got to meet while I was hunting with him, and he's got a lot of cool things going on in his life right now. So interested to uh, get to know him more and just have a conversation with him. Gunner Pickett is going to be on today. Um, a lot of you guys probably already know him or know of him. He's been a longtime friend of Dive Bomb Industries, and uh, I'm excited to get him on here. So I'm going to give him a call, and we'll go from there. Hello. What's up, Gunner? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? That's good. I'm doing good. What you been up to? Do not a whole lot. Just uh, hanging out down here in Lubbock still. Still down there. How long are you down there until you get to head back up to Colorado? Man, just we're on our kind of our own schedule. Um, Colorado just got like 10 inches of snow, 12 inches of snow. So kind of held up on heading up there in the next couple of days. I got you. Now, Gunner, you you, uh, you told me you were going trophy hunting today, and I don't really know what you meant by that. So, can you kind of give me a give me an example of what you meant by that? Yeah. So, um, today, more or less, instead of going out to a field and just burning them down and shooting to every big flock or whatnot, you know, um, we just we went out and just want to watch the birds work, and you know, if we see something cool, we'll shoot it. But just nice. more or less, just getting out and hanging out still. That sounds fun. I'm, it, I'm assuming that's not with any clients. That's just a, a guide fun hunt. Yeah, yeah. Just <clears throat> just a couple guides getting out there and just hanging out, more or less just having fun together. Sweet. Did you see anything cool? Uh, yeah, we shot a pretty barred out speck today, actually. It's like almost straight black belly. It was really cool. Um, saw a cross in one of the other fields, but not didn't come over our field today we saw one yesterday but hopefully hopefully one of these days we'll get one of the crosses yeah yeah have y'all killed any crosses this year i know you guys are always looking for them um hunter shot one this year he shot one so the same day he shot one this year he shot one last year on the same day the same day it's pretty cool Crazy, yep. And then yeah, Dusty, Dusty shot an immature one earlier this year. Gotcha. It was like a little juvie, so he's pinned, feathered yeah. up. And what. Yeah. I remember we saw one uh, last year when we were hunting with you guys. You remember that day when uh, I think Carson was there with us that day, and we saw a pretty cool pretty cool cross oh, yeah. that day, but we never could get him close enough to shoot at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's hanging off up to the left of the spread there. I remember that. That's a that's a pretty cool thing. It's something I feel like not a lot of people do. You know, you call it trophy hunting. Um, I think that's that's pretty pretty rare in, in waterfowling. Not a lot of people will go, especially where you're at and what you're doing, to go set a lesser spread, lay in it, and maybe not even shoot anything. That's, that's kind of an odd concept for most people, but when you do it as much as you guys do it, um, I guess it, it it's a lot – I don't know. It's a different concept for sure, but um, it's pretty cool to go and set a huge spread and lay in it and um, look for, you know, and, and you guys can do it a lot better than uh, most people probably because of the, the large groups of birds and those lesser geese coming in and big wads, you know, you can sit there and pick through them and 
um, look for something cool. That, that's definitely something that not a lot of people do. Yeah, no, it, it's it's fun, you know, and more or less it's just getting out and just seeing the birds, watching the birds work, and just kind of yeah. just, I guess, just more or less perfecting yeah. what we kind of do in a sense, you know. Yeah, but that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just, I mean, watching the birds work is just, it it's something different, you know, when you're with clients, you're like trying to shoot their limit right. or whatnot, trying to get birds on the ground versus, you know, you're out there with a couple guys and just hanging out, watching the birds work and just trying to look for something neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can, you could probably just lay there and kind of appreciate it a little, a little bit more, you know, just kind of sit there and watch, watch them do what they're supposed to do and then let them fly off and know that you can hunt them again the next day. Yep. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we shot, like six birds today and probably had over four or 500 birds just work through the decoys. It's fun. You know, just more or less just just sitting there, just being, being amongst them. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love coming down there and hunting with you guys because it is so different. Um, you know, I'm being from Arkansas and, um, duck hunting. It's, you know, that's something in its own, but to come down there and and lay in the spread and have geese literally landing on your feet. You remember that one, that video I got this year, the goose was literally um, almost set on my foot. And, and, and big wads of them doing it too. It's not it's not singles and pairs or anything like that. So having big groups of geese landing that close to you, um, that's something that you really, in all of my traveling and uh, all of the cool things that I've been blessed enough to experience, there's not anywhere that I can say that is as action-packed as, as West Texas. That's definitely a, a breed of its own when it comes to waterfowling yeah it's it's fun it's something everybody needs to experience yeah yeah at least once or twice so <laughs> can you give the, the people listening um i kind of got into this assuming everybody already knew you like i do but can you just kind of give everybody a rundown of who you are where you work or who you work for what you do um just kind of a little bit of background on yourself yeah so my name's gunner pickett i'm Hunter Pickett's brother. Um, I think a lot, a lot more people know him. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Introduce yourself but, as Hunter's brother. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, but no, I've worked down here at Final Descent Guide Service as well. Um, I actually start off my year doing uh, guiding big game hunts for full draw outfitters in the fall, and then I come down here for the last couple months of season. But then after season, I um, I own a taxidermy business. I got a couple full time taxidermists in there, and you know, they, they keep the shop running, making sure nothing burns down while I'm gone. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they're awesome. They, they kick butt. Yeah. That... It, it, that's something else about, you know, like trophy hunting, sitting there watching the birds work. You know, you, you're just watching the different kind of just angles these birds come in and just different positions they put themselves. And it's kind of cool seeing that in person and then trying to, uh, replicate it yeah yeah that's that's really cool i didn't think about that i bet that um having that mindset you know sitting there watching the birds and knowing that one of them could potentially be um in the taxidermy shop soon just kind of looking at how they come in and the position like you said the positions they put themselves in that's that's a cool thought i didn't think about that um as a yep. taxidermist because i don't you know i don't as a hunter photographer whatever i am i don't you know i never think about that type of stuff as far as um, like how you would actually mount the bird. I just always, you know, I, when I think of taxidermy, I think of sending the bird to the taxidermist and then waiting to get it back. I don't think about all that goes into that. Um, yeah, most most definitely. And like, like for like 
the photography like you're talking about you know sometimes you're like oh man that'd be a cool picture right there it's kind of the like, same thing yeah exactly you see a bird kind of getting that right pose like you know you get a backpedaling picture that say you take and you're like man i can i can try to do my best to yeah. replicate that yeah and then you see it in person and that helps out a lot more yeah for sure just, and whenever you, you, see, see, you see one do something crazy like like flipping or something like that that they don't do like you don't get to see it day in and day out. It's not something that they do like clockwork, but it is a position that they do put themselves in. You know, maybe it's with really strong wind or, or no wind or something something that causes them to do something different. Then you can take that position and go and mount him. And it doesn't look unnatural because it is a position that the bird will do, but it's also not something that he does every single day. So you can kind of get a different perspective with your mount. You know, it, it looks natural on the wall, but it's different. It's not some, It's not just a cupped up bird that you would see anywhere. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. And like a lot of it is just trying to get everything anatomically, anatomically correct, you know, whereas right. you want a duck to look like a duck and not a stinking chicken or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatnot. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, you're saying like the whole whiffling deal, they, uh, it, it's, it's happened so fast in person, you know, it's, it, it's really cool to see it. And like sometimes, I guess it's like some people really love that whiffling and some people are like, man, it's kind of weird when they see it mounted. Yeah. yeah. You know? But there's, there's a whole like piece of like motion kind of going through like yeah. in the mount. You know? And it doesn't so. look unnatural. It look it looks natural. So that's, that's the cool thing about it. Cause you could, I'm sure you could bend a, a goose into some weird positions, but as, if it doesn't look natural, then it's kind of pointless. You know, you kind of. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that, I guess that's something I really wanted to, um, learn more about from you. I, you know, we've we've met a handful of different times and uh, became buddies over the over the years. But I don't I don't know much about well taxidermy as a whole, and then also your your taxidermy business. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that you were the the owner. Um, so like to start off on the base, like what is the name of your uh, taxidermy business? So it's called Colorado Creations Taxidermy. Um, I actually just bought it in July this past summer um, okay. from a guy out of Iowa. His name is Sam Gaylord. They own Old Barn Taxidermy. They're uh, they're awesome group of people. You know, they kind of showed me the ropes and you know they helped get everything rolling, and getting the ball going. And um, and where does what's your background in in taxidermy? I mean, is this something that you just picked up recently? Is this something that you've done for a while? Um, kind of where do you come from in the taxidermy world? You know, uh, on, to be quite honest, I, um, my background is about none. That's cool. <laughs> so, so what, yep. So what happened was, is, uh, I got, I graduated college with my business management degree and, um, you know, I was like, man, what in the world am I going to do? So I started guiding, you know, God bless me. There's a couple different, couple mm-hmm. different people who crossed paths with me and the one person was that sam gaylord and uh you know we got to talk in and i tax has always really interested me you know and whatnot and i've always really thought it was so cool how yeah. some tax and make these birds look prettier and after they're dead <clears throat> than what they were before <laughs> yeah and yeah, uh, no doubt yep and so you know the opportunity came and to buy the business and you know did we i so guess you were i just, just like i'm just gonna send it <laughs> yep yeah more or less just 
you know, I, the two tax servants that are in there right now, uh, Bryson and Fallon, they're, uh, they're awesome. And so, you know, just pulling the trigger on that and just jumping in on that and learning it and just running the business side of yeah. things is, yeah, is what's really cool. That's really and, cool. Oh yeah. And I mean, they're, they're two awesome guys and, you know, Hunter's really kind of started taking a, a liking to it. He's mounting a few yeah, birds, critters and whatnot. And he got just a natural ability to it. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, no. So like we just try to run our shop more like a business to where, you know, the tax service are the tax service. They're not trying to wear five different hats. You know, they just get to wear the one hat and they get to focus on that. Right. So it's, it's right. pretty cool. It helps us be a lot more efficient Yeah. and get things turned a lot faster and just, yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it sounds like shop. it. So are the guys that you've got working for you, are they kind of teaching you? Um, are they the ones that are showing you how it's done or um, like as far as you going into the shop and mounting a bird, are you, are you, I mean, are you mounting birds on your own? Yeah, no, yeah, they've, they've shown Hunter and I how to do it all and whatnot. We've skinned some birds, mounted some birds, and it's 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 a really cool process. Is it's, it is it as hard as it seems like it would be? You know, it the grooming and getting everything anatomically correct is what's the most important deal about the whole thing, you know, and that's just, <clears throat> that's, that's kind of the cool part of the whole thing is what helps... I guess, you know, Hunter and I kind of, and I guess Bryson to get the edge, you know, compared to some other, um, I guess just people out there in the mm -hmm. world is we see birds every day, you know, right. it's kind For of a long time. Yeah. How they move. And so it, it helps you kind of just what you see is what you want to reproduce. And so it, it's, it's pretty neat, you know, being able to, I guess, be in the field every day with the birds and yeah. in the off season you're still with them and you're just mounting them yeah yeah that's that's so cool and uh you know i like i said i have never thought more about taxidermy than just the simple thought of sending something to the taxidermist i've never seen the inside look of it never been really in a taxidermy shop or anything like that so it's all kind of a new new concept to me but it, it seems very interesting and uh i actually speaking of taxidermy i got so I've never mounted an animal in my whole life. I've never gotten anything mounted. I've, I don't have any ducks on, on my wall. I don't have any shoulder mounts. I have nothing. Um, so I told myself this year I wanted to get something mounted. I don't know what it would be, but I just want to get something mounted. And now here we are in February, and I still haven't sent a bird to a taxidermist. <laughs> but uh, I've kind of got a, a newfound hobby that I've picked up recently. I've been trapping a lot, and um, so I've been going after coons and, and possums and tried to go after some coyotes and um actually ended up catching a, a gray fox and a bobcat so i contemplated getting the fox mounted since it was the first fox i'd ever killed um, but i didn't i skinned him out myself and then the next day i caught a bobcat and he had some really good color on him uh his spots were really good and he was huge he's like 27 pounds which is i don't know a lot about bobcats but from anybody i've talked to around here it's like the biggest one anybody's seen so i think i gotta get that thing mounted <laughs> that's so cool have you ever um do you guys are you guys birds only or um no. do, you, do you mount mammals yeah we do everything we uh honestly whatever you whatever like someone kind of dreams of or wants you know we can we can do it um 
I guess literally from life size bears to you know little little goldfish or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, oh. that that's actually kind of funny. That's one as uh, Bryson, you know, whenever yeah. people ask him about how he had he get into it, you know, he he mounted his sister's goldfish it was his first thing he no ever way. mounted. Did he really? Yep, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I guess mounting a fish would be way different um, than mounting a feathered bird or something. So, like, what's the difference? I mean, when you mount a fish, say I caught a 10-pound bass tomorrow, and I called you and I said, hey, I want to get this bass mounted. Is there actually any part of the bass that's in the mount, or is it kind of more so a replica? So there's two different ways you can do a fish. It's There's, like, skin-on mounts to where you actually use the skin okay. of the that bass and then there's replica mounts i got you um, yeah th- those replica mounts they i guess they last a little bit longer yeah they just <clears throat> but i mean obviously they're not the exact the actual fish that you caught you know so it's when you do the, like... <clears throat> if you did a skin on fish mat with that i mean i'm assuming that's the scales and um all the natural scales and everything yes sir that yep. seems like that would be really hard i mean thinking about mounting a bird seems hard enough but mounting a fish dang that seems like that'd be yep. a challenge. Yeah, it's it's definitely a tedious job. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like something just anybody could decide that's what they want to do and pick it up and start. I mean, that seems like something almost kind of like photography, like you were comparing it earlier. Like, I guess anybody is capable of, um, especially this day and age, I guess everybody's a photographer with the phones and stuff we've got. But there is a difference between a photographer and somebody that likes to take pictures. You know, there's kind of a natural um you know, like being a photographer, you kind of got to have an eye for it. Um, and that is something that you could pick up over time. But a lot of it, um, I guess from a personal note from me, I don't feel like I, I learned a whole lot about photography. I think I was just naturally gifted with the way my brain works and how I perceive things. And I think that's a, the case for most, you know, creatives, as you could call it. Um, but I, I feel like that would carry over kind of the same with, with taxidermy. I mean, I feel like Probably anybody could be capable of, of mounting an animal, but I think that there's probably a lot of natural ability that goes into it too. Like you said, growing up seeing birds, seeing the way they look, and then also just being able to use your hands and um, just being good at it. Probably a lot of it's just natural. I would feel like. Yep. Yeah. No. There's a lot. There's a lot of natural um, ability to it. You know, a lot of people who a lot of visual people can, you know, see something and put it together, and they're you know, they have a big edge. And then there's there are the people who, you know, need to learn and, you know, go to this class or that class and just to work on their, their right. craft, you know. But, I mean, everybody's got their own little style, you know. Yep. You, you see somebody's video they made, you know, about some waterfowl yeah. hunt or whatnot, um, and you can almost be like, man, I know that. I know who uh-huh. made that video before even, like, yeah, no doubt. look who created that video. Whereas, like, same kind of thing, you know, you, uh, the different tax servants have their own little twist and, you know, things they, they, I guess, give a little spice of, of from what they see and, uh-huh. you know, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to need to get that bobcat out of the freezer and ship it to you. Do you guys take shipments on animals? <clears throat> yep. Yeah, no, it, we, we take shipments and whatnot. Um, well, can you mount my bobcat? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Actually, shoot, uh, Bryson just mounted one up last week. Oh, it's, nice! It's like laying on a limb. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. That's it's got cool. An arm dangling there. It's, yeah, yeah. I was, pretty... I was 
thinking about how I wanted to get that thing mounted and uh you know I caught him in a foot trap and I was thinking it would be cool to have him mounted kind of the same way he was right before he died you know like on the wall with his foot stuck in a trap uh maybe with his mouth open that'd be pretty sweet yeah yeah that'd be really cool (laughs) and that's that's honestly the cool thing about taxidermy is like like what like what we tell people is like what what you like dream like you know let's let's do it let's do it it yeah because i guess it's really cool like you can you can put some crazy scenes together yeah yeah there's really there's really no limits on on what you can and can't do no exactly and i mean people get very elaborate um there was one on instagram the other day i saw uh it was man i forgot what duck it was but it was like that glove coming off the wall Uh all the ice oh yeah i've seen that i think it was a you know was it a uh dang it i saw that too was it an eider a king eider it might have been it was something crazy it's like a sea duck i i want to say yeah like that's just something like i hadn't you know i guess that was something i hadn't really thought about before yeah Man, that is cool. That was really cool. You're talking about the one with it had it was like a sick of glove sticking out of the wall. It looked like a hand holding him. Yep, yeah, mount. exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then like it's just so cool how just elaborate people can be and you know, just the creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have. the way people's minds work. Um uh, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So what's the uh what's the favorite what's your favorite thing that you've mounted? Um I just uh, speckleberry we shot last year in Kansas. This is, I think, it was my first spec I ever shot. Oh, really? And, yeah. I don't know. I've always been in, living in Colorado. You know, we get just a little quick push of specs. Mm-hmm. You know, we might see one here and there. And you know, last year I went to can out to Big Kansas for a little bit to help them out and just to I guess kind of hang out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, were the specs there? That was cool. <laughs> yeah, the first time. You... So you know, bringing one of the specs back and mounting it—that was kind of a special mount to me. I just—I think they're a real pretty bird. No doubt, they are. They're—they're they're probably they're up there with my favorites. Probably, definitely my favorite as far as geese. Um, how'd you mount him? Is he kind of kind of your standard did... cupped up? No, I did a dead mount with him. Oh, cool. I think those are my favorite. Um, like I said, I've never gotten anything mounted, but just from seeing other people's stuff, I really like the dead mount just cause it kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of savors the moment, you know, that's, that's the part that you appreciate whenever you line them up or you, you hang them up on a strap or whatever, you know, like four mount, a, a, an Arkansas limit of green heads hung on a strap. It doesn't get much more real to me than that. So I think that would be something that I would, if I was in the business to get something mounted, I would definitely be going for a dead mount. Yep, yep, that's cool. And and I mean, you know, to like a dead mount, you can always add stuff and you know, change yeah. stuff out. You can change but the it, scenery or you like their shadow box, whatever you put him in, you can Yeah. I want to I want to get a dead mounted turkey. That'd be cool. Have you ever that'd done one of those? Have you ever mounted a uh, turkey? You know, no, I haven't I haven't seen one. Um we did we've done a lot of strutters, you know, three-quarter struts yeah. or just obliging yeah. mounts. Yeah, those are but, cool. Uh, I think the reason, like I said, it kind of it kind of savors the moment because, like, after I, I don't kill a lot of turkeys. I, I target hunt a lot, and I don't kill a lot of turkeys. I I have to hunt hard for the ones I kill. So when I kill one, I always hang him up by his feet. Um, for one, because it, it kind of lets his feathers get stiff, and you know when you hang him up, his feathers kind of fall down in a 
in a good I don't even know how to describe it, but if you hang them up when they're fresh and then let them sit for an hour or two upside down, then you take them off and take a picture with them. Their feathers are all pluff, you know, fluffy. They look really good for pictures. So that's one reason I do it is to hang them up and let them uh, get stiff for the pictures. But also, it's just kind of my thing. I, I like to tie him up by his feet and then just sit there and kind of take in the moment and appreciate the hunt and uh, just kind of soak it all in right there. And so that would be sweet to have him hanging, have a long beard hanging in that same position that you would have him out in the woods or whatever after you kill him to have that on your wall. That would be sick. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and I mean, shoot, you get for your hunting your turkeys. You guys have the those eastern the yeah. You do you do a lot of public land easterns or what do you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Shoot, I have forty acres um, across the road from my house that I've had actually the lady that owns it was my fifth grade science teacher <laughs> and uh i've had permission to hunt on her ground for a while now but other than that i don't i don't have any any private ground that i turkey hunt on so yeah i'd say 95 percent public ground um yeah it's, i like you like you were saying it's kind of savor in the moment that that yeah makes it pretty, yeah because you know i don't know i mean i guess everybody's not like that but for me I, it's just turkey hunting is just such a special thing to me anyways and i love it with everything in me and um like i said I'm, I'm not just a great turkey hunter but i love to do it so much and i, I go so much whenever i do look into a two-year-old and kill him it, you know that means a lot to me it ain't i'm not the type to just shoot him and throw him in the back of the truck and go on with my day that's just that's not really how i'm how i'm wired you know whenever i i finally get the chance to shoot one because when i do kill one it's usually been a process i very rarely am i able to just go into a new area hunting public ground a lot of new areas so very rarely am i able to just to go in there and put the pieces together on the first morning and then call it done and kill him it you know usually it's a long process or at least a couple days where i'm having to kind of figure them out and um you know put the pieces together and then whenever it does come come together and, and i'm able to kill one you know it, it's a special thing to me so i like to yeah. time up That's there and appreciate it yeah yeah that, that's awesome and that that see like something like that makes a, a dead mountain turkey mount you know just real special yeah yeah kind of got a little bit of meaning to it you know like don't get me wrong a strutting long beard will never get old um in a mount <laughs> or in person but but just on a for me personally i think that's how i would do it is to get him strung up there like i seen him there for the hour after i killed him yep yeah and that See, that's that's one thing that uh, people, a lot of people are like, man, what should I do with this, with this bird or with this uh, deer or elk? I was like, well, what was one of the things you that kind of remembered the most? Yeah, hunt? yeah. And what what was something kind of neat? You know, you do a pedestal mount or something. You know, like what was something that like kind of stood out in your mind that right before you pull the trigger or after you pull uh -huh. the trigger on your morning walk into your stand or whatnot? Yeah, uh, it's just cool you know no it's, doubt it's a it's a really cool i guess piece of art that you know you can put together and just enjoy yeah it is art and it takes an artist to do it there ain't no doubt about it yeah uh, well what uh what other than taxidermy you got coming up you gonna do uh you got any plans for turkey season uh yeah i think i'm gonna uh so last year i guided turkey season in colorado as well um where do you do I that at? Are you uh, what what part of Colorado are you guiding in? Are you are you guiding Merriams or or Rios? So um, 
that so I guide in Southern Colorado. We have two ranches um, and a, a couple other leases. But uh, so our west properties have the Merriams, and then our east property has Rios and Merriams, nice. and then uh, the real Merriam hybrids. Mm-hmm. So it's they're they're getting more just kind of just Rio ish in that yeah. area. Yeah, just because those Rios. For a while, they they kind of just take over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never never killed a Rio. I shot my first Merriams last year. Me and uh, me and Forrest and Kyle took a trip out there, close to well, probably not very close to you in Colorado, but in Colorado, and uh, I was able to shoot my first Merriams last year in the mountains, and that was something that's... special in its own. Golly, man. Yeah, that that's awesome. Incredible experience. But other than that, I've I've only ever killed Easterns and then one one Merriams. Um, but from, from guiding both of them, which one would you prefer? I, I guess I should say, which one would you rather hunt? I guess, uh, do you enjoy hunting Merriam's more so than Rio's or vice versa? Or do you not really care? You know, I've lived in Colorado for 24 years. I guess I'm 24 years old. Um, I shot my first Merriam this year as well. I've only shot really? Rio's before and man, that was, that was something else. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just calling them through the trees uh-huh. and whatnot and just working them. And, right. You know, I, all, all my other turkey hunting has either been on the river bottoms or, you know, edge of a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, I mean, that's that's awesome as well, you know. No but doubt. I don't know. It was, it, was, it was really cool hunting them up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be the difference maker for me, like, on the same question I just asked you, even though I've never killed a Rio, just knowing where they both live. Um, I guess it's not even as much as a Rio versus an Eastern, but more so where you're getting to hunt him. You know, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd take a turkey in the mountains a hundred times out of a hundred over a turkey in, in a flat field. Not to say I don't like hunting them in the flat fields, but I just think that it, that's probably the, the main reason that I would lean the same way you are, just the terrain, um, anything with some topography in it. I'm, I'm more so ready to hunt that, you know, hunting Easterns and yeah. the, you know, I, I hunt a lot of the public land that I hunt here, you know, it, it's by no means flat. A lot of people, especially the guys that we're around, when they think of Arkansas, they just think of it as a crap hole because, and don't get me wrong, part of it is, but because everybody in our, in our line of work, if they come to Arkansas, they're coming to hunt geese or ducks or, or waterfowl and, so they're doing that in the eastern part of the state, um, in the Delta. And whenever you go to the Delta in Arkansas and, and look around, you're just like, wow, this this place sucks. Um, other than hunting, this place sucks. But what people don't understand is that um, western Arkansas and northwest Arkansas and the Ozarks and the Washtenaw Mountains, like, beautiful, man. Like, breathtaking scenery that you can find in Arkansas that, that our, our buddies or people that we know that, that go to Arkansas don't ever get to see. <laughs> um so, I mean, that's where I do my turkey hunting is um, in western, northwestern Arkansas and in the National Forest. And um, anything that's hilly with, with trees on it, I'm all about it. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah, Colorado is incredible last year. Been able to shoot my first Merriams and uh, spend some time out there. That's That's God's country, man. Like, you go out there and you get up. I think we were at, like, 85. 8,500 or sorry, 8,500, whatever you would, whatever you would call that (laughs) elevation. (laughs) Um, and just being way up there, like in the true mountains, 
hunting these birds that live there and you know i'm i'm out of my comfort zone up there i'm i can hardly breathe because of the oxygen or you know I'm, <laughs> I'm climbing uphill having to stop and take breaths and trying to adapt to this new ground and then whenever you just stop and you're like and these animals live here like this is their home that that was cool to me um just to put my boots on new dirt and uh you know that's that's probably my favorite thing about hunting is being able to do it in different places and that's something that i've been really blessed with with dive bomb is getting to travel as much as we do you know i've gotten to i've gotten to hunt waterfowl in places that man the majority of people won't ever get to you know i said as humbly as i can but you know I've, I've gotten to experience so much in the last two years of my life that not a lot of people can say they've you know experienced all the diversity that i have so that's something that i really am grateful for um and that's something that i think keeps me falling in love with the sport even more is um, just seeing the way people do things differently in different places that's definitely the coolest part about my job um yeah cool. and you get to see a good a good bit of diversity too going to lubbock back to colorado i mean those are two completely different places oh yeah yeah it's 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 pretty wild um just the difference between you know those media like the colorado mediums that you know that gets yeah. real, real tough to kill you know versus you know movies and whatnot and then you know you start to see it you know as the winter progresses you know up north it's a little more cold and then we start getting the mediums and whatnot and you know and you just see a change in birds and you know you see you see your little yearling juvies and then a couple weeks later all of a sudden you're more adult geese and it's it's pretty cool you know you see them yeah clusters with the white rings around their neck and just the diversity of the geese you see over the course of the season down here yeah it, it is really cool yeah so you mentioned earlier um about guiding big game we didn't really talk about that but i'm curious to know i mean what is that what all does that entail for you are you doing that on the same ranches that you're guiding turkey hunts on Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I start in August. When you say big game, are you just talking about elk, or, is there, or do you do other stuff? So, so uh, yeah, we so we start in August doing antelope, uh, archer antelope hunts, and then September come, rolls around. That's all archery, elk, and bear, deer. Um, I guess that mainly mule deer, in that right. yeah, yeah, mule deer in that time frame, and then uh, we go to rifle for October, November. And that's still just bears, elk, and deer, and whatnot. Um, and then uh, I guess December, January, they start doing mountain lions, but that's yeah, that's about right. I'm here to love it. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that. Um, speaking of deer hunting, dude, I gotta, I want to hear a hunting story. I want to know about that giant deer that you shot this year. Give me, <laughs> give me just a rundown of how that went down, dude. That. I'm sitting here looking at that picture on your Instagram right now, and I'm just like, dang. <laughs> give me, give yeah, me, so, tell me a hunting I mean, story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was on, I was beyond blessed this year. You know, it was, it was pretty wild. You know, we got our first trail camera video of him. Uh, I want to say October. Yeah, October, and it's like seeing a deer, seeing like a 225, 230-inch deer. That's incredible. It, you know, it's it's like, it's just, I guess it's speechless. You know, yeah, you're like, yeah. this thing, like, this thing just, just 
ran up here from Texas or something, you know. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was it was cool seeing the him in uh, October and you know trying to see if he had any kind of pattern what whatnot, you know. I mean, we don't have a big area right there we live to hunt deer, and so it's just a matter of you know just putting in time and just trying to trying to kill him. And um, my shoot, my dad sat for nine, ten days. 10 days uh, down there morning and afternoon hunting the specific deer. Yep. Trying to kill that deer. And I mean, he got, I think on day five, he got Corona. And so he was like trying to sit up there at the tree stand, just trying to be quiet, you know, and whatnot. And he's like, man, I just, <laughs> I, I got to lay down like this. Not good. So he, on day 10, he shot a little, uh, I guess I was going to say a four by six. Four by six—that's uh, mule deer terms, I guess. For, <laughs> yeah. For all the white folks, it's a ten point. Ten pointer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> so I I I got in the stand. I sat in two or three days, and uh, I only saw one doe for two and a half days. Mm. And our wind. So that afternoon, I I shot him. The wind was absolutely horrible. It was like quartering kind of towards the bedding area kind of away and i was like man i've seen one doe i just want to get up there and just see you know now, just, did you have I, a did you have a I, good I, feeling of knowing that that deer that deer that you were hunting of where he was bedded like were you hunting a bedding area specific to him or was it just a good bedding area for deer and you were assuming he may be in the area or did you have something telling you that were like this deer that i'm hunting is laying down in that thicket right there and i need to hunt him with this wind yeah, no, it's where that bedding area is. I mean, it's kind of the only area for those deer to be bedded in. Okay, okay. There or a couple of miles further down. Um, and so, you know, it's just a matter of if he's in that bedding area that day and, you know, decides yeah. to pop out early enough to shoot him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so that, that day uh, I had, because uh, the, trees right there are pretty thick so i had brought uh open sight 3030 <laughs> lever action <laughs> <laughs> no. i wanted to shoot to use my bow but i just you know something that big you know i can't risk hard to take that chance something far back and i lose them you know uh -huh. it's like no way and being a rifle tag you know i was like you know might as well yeah what's the harm you know and i mean yeah there's scrapes and food plots and everything was 30 yards, 20 yards, you know, the trail is 40 yards. So it's, you know, what, what, what will hurt, you know? So, yeah. um, I sat there, I was like, yeah, the wind's terrible. There's no way I'm going to see a deer tonight, you know, and shoot. The sunset was like 6:15 that day and 4:30, I see a little body out in this little thicket, uh, I guess in these cattails about 500 yards from me. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, little deer. I'm like, wow. It's my second deer in three days. <laughs> and uh, I glass him and and he's he's feeding. And so I'm like, Oh, it's it's deer. You know, I can see those few uh points hanging off the side and then all of a sudden he lifts his head and That's I'm him. like, Holy smokes, my heart's just pounding. I'm like it was it was just weird. Golly, was weird. I can't imagine. Him in person, you know. Uh, I mean at four at four thirty, you know. He saw two hours. Till He's up early. Dark, yeah. And uh, 
so he he disappears and i'm like wow cool i text hunter i was like i saw him making but progress i laid my eyes again, on him <laughs> yeah he, he's walking away but i may never see him again um about 15 minutes later he shows up and he's on the neighbors uh about like 300 yards away i'm like okay mm -hmm. i just gotta wait you know i'm not gonna mm -hmm. but uh <clears throat> so he i just sit there and my heart's just I'm like, holy smokes, this wind's got to change soon. Like, this is not good. And it's on it. Like, literally after I started thinking that, it, it switched to, like, like just straight sideways. Like, it's blowing from my right to my left. It'd be, that'd be a oh, west wow. wind. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there just watching. He disappears over there and whatnot. And then um, about 20 minutes, I, I called Hunter. I was like, I saw him again. Way closer. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how, but I still may never see him again. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I get back on my phone, just trying to see the time and whatnot and stuff. And uh, I hear, start hearing footsteps. And then my, my heart just starts going insane. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, oh here we go. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there. And I, the, the body, I can start seeing a body. Because it's kind of thick right in there, and uh, all of a sudden I see the see the horns. He's getting closer and closer, and I get my binoculars and I look, and it it is like for sure him, you know. So I get my gun ready and whatnot, and there's like two shooting two shooting lanes. I was gonna let him go through the first one and get to the second one, you know. So I, because that's just a better shot yeah. opportunity right there whatnot and he stops perfectly dead center broadside in the first one starts peeing and getting ready to start scraping I'm like all right we gotta do this right now like <laughs> yeah. I calm, down, calm down just enough let's do this you better do it shot him and ran 20 yards and piled up and oh, like man. it was just, it was crazy so you watched it him was, fall down yep yeah and i i, I watched him fall down i so I, uh, I, I couldn't get to him right away because the river was right there. Uh -huh. I was like, I called my dad and whatnot, and they came down. They brought waders, and I was like, I mean, I don't have time to put these waders on, so we just all started walking just get across. Wet. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was cool. Um, so we had a trail camera video three days before I shot him, and he was perfectly fine. I mean, mm -hmm. all his points were still there, and um. When I shot him, we scored him at 198 and three quarters. Oh wow! So he, I mean, we've we've talked, showed videos, and whatnot to a lot of people, and I'm 230 even to me, or 225. 220 sounds just absurd to me in my head, but you know, a lot of people were saying that's what he was. Well, when you look at that deer, when you look at the picture that you posted of him, you know, there's there's not a before and after, but just looking at him laying there dead, you can tell he lost a lot of inches. Um, yeah, I mean, now he, it's obvious that he broke a lot off. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll have to end up posting post another picture or video or something of one of the videos of him just just to just show him what he was. But, no, I mean, he he had broken off 20, 25, 30 inches Man. before, before, like, within those three days uh, of, that, of that video of him. That's and, insane. And, you know, when we caped him out and, you know, cleaned him that night, 
he had bruises all over his neck and his oh, butt. He'd been oh, getting was, after it. Like, jeez, man, like you couldn't have just done that, like. Yeah, for real. Days later. <laughs> for real, but it doesn't take away, you know. In my opinion, it, it doesn't take anything away from the deer. I mean, he, with no, it with not at all. It, it doesn't take any, you know. It wouldn't, of course, it would have been awesome to have those extra inches or whatever, but by no means does that down downplay it at all. I mean, that's still a massive deer. Uh, no, it, he is like I said, just very blessed. You know, it, it was absolutely. a impact here. He's he's just just amazing <laughs> i don't know True what, deer I, of a lifetime i mean yeah exactly and i mean obviously i'm not going to sit here and like oh i wish you know he was 230 inches but I'm like man i'm not a big whitetail hunter so i'm more than happy just to even shoot 170 no doubt, no doubt. 60. but i'm sure there yeah. there still is that thought i mean you can't lie there is that thought in the back of your head <laughs> saying like man what if <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean uh it, it is really cool you know i just been blessed the last couple of years uh with big game hunting and whatnot yeah. just really cool really cool animals and you know just meeting some really cool people throughout the whole deal so that's sweet dude are you gonna mount him yourself or uh who's mounting him so i think we're all gonna kind of collaborate on him um you know i'm i'm still not exactly sure i i'd like to put my hands on him a lot but obviously um, Bryson and Fallon, you know, they're the master tax dermis. Mm-hmm. They're the senseis, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'd like to put my hands on and whatnot, but you know, obviously I let the professionals do the majority of it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. That's so cool, man. Well, I'm happy for you, dude. That's a true lifetime experience. I mean, to get to do that again in your lifetime, you would just be. I don't know what to call you at that point. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll get to have a lot of cool hunts in your life, but don't count on shooting another one like that. <laughs> no, no, I and I mean, dude, that's the last thing I was expecting, especially yeah. in Colorado. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, Colorado can get some pretty stinking nice whitetail, but you know, we're not the the whitetail state right. or what, right. you know. So just just coming across something like that is just you know really cool and you know it's just really cool experience no doubt you must be living right (laughs) what about that uh what about that big sheep that you killed what what is that i mean i don't even know what that is so that's a mountain goat mountain goat that's pretty cool you don't have to you don't have to go into all detail i'm sure that's a story in itself but that looks like it was pretty cool looks like you got to have all all of your brother both your brothers and your dad there yep yeah no it was it was a really cool experience, you know, being able to shoot that um, mountain goat. That was, shoot, that was like 11,500 feet, 11,000 feet. It was, wow. yeah, it was, that was, talk about short of breath. Golly, was, I bet. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's just incredible to think that an animal even lives out there. <laughs> like, man. Yeah, yeah, and actually we, we, uh, we life-sized uh, mounted that. Uh, Did you? So, yep, yep. They the guys did a really cool rock uh, base for him and whatnot, and they took him to the taxidermy, uh, sh- I guess, show competition this last year, and um, they did real well on it. So it was nice. it was really cool. Yeah. How far was that goat when you shot him? Uh, one twenty-five. Oh, I would that's say. not as far as I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a poke out there in the middle of nowhere. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it, what helped is they were asleep when we were putting our stock. <laughs> do they? Uh, do they have a good nose? Do you have to play the wind just like you would anything else? No, you know, I. To be honest, I don't really know a whole ton about mountain goats in terms of their nose or their ears or whatnot. You know, I know yeah. they have pretty tight, but uh, but man. I was not expecting to get a mountain goat tag last year, being 24 years old. Yeah, I mean, isn't that something that people put in for for a lifetime almost? Yeah, people put in for 15, 18, 20-something years to get that tag. How many years did you put in? I had, like, five points. And is that just a (laughs) random draw, or is that based off of those points on who draws? I mean, how does that work? You know, so Colorado changed that a couple of years ago, and I think it's it is like weighted. There are weighted points mm-hmm. and what help you get a better chance. But somebody had actually drawn that tag. But last year there was a ton of fires in Colorado, and I don't know if it was due to COVID or the fires, but somebody returned that tag and mm. they they reissued it, and I was just the next person in line. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so, awesome. They asked me, I was like, yeah, yeah, yes, please. I'll take it now. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's cool. Well, man, I appreciate you getting on here with me tonight. I know it's late and you've probably had a long day, but uh, I enjoyed it, man. I uh, It's been cool getting to talk to you. Uh, if you guys listening, um, I don't know how much availability they have, but you guys listening, kill something cool, kill something crazy, you need somebody to mount it, give them a call at Colorado Creations. See if they can hook you up with a mount. Um, I don't know a lot about them, but I do know um, the guys that are doing it, and they're all A-plus guys, guys that I'm proud to call my friend. Um, and, Gunner, just want to thank you for coming on here tonight. We'll wrap it up yeah. on that one. On yeah, that thank note. you. And, Appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we got to do it. I've I've been, I've been thinking about it for the past couple of days, who I was going to have on and um, kind of sorting through my options. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to talk to Gunner. <laughs> awesome. well yeah man it was it was a blast talking to you and hanging out yeah. with you guys yeah awesome. well good luck on the rest of your season man i uh hope nothing but good things for you and i will be in touch with you um uh, pre- yeah yeah appreciate all you guys listening um hope you enjoyed the episode we're gonna wrap it up on that note you guys be good and we will catch you on the next one thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.